Welcome to the Harvest Time Podcast. Harvest Time is a faith community reaching and embracing real people, engaging them in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit harvesttime.net. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Take your seats real fast, get your Bibles out, go to the book of Exodus, second book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus. We're going to look tonight at the name Jehovah Nisan. Oh, sorry. Jehovah Nisi. Some of you guys thought that God was in the car business, right? You know, when we look at this, we're going to look tonight at the story uh, in which we see the hand of God deliver Israel through a battle. Uh, I'm reminded that life is not about always missing the battle, but often coming through the battle. How many thank God he can bring you through the battle? Come on, do you thank God for it tonight? So listen, in life, everybody say in life. Come on, say in life. We're going to have battles. But here's the good news. You don't have to lose because God being on your side, he can bring you through every time. And I promise you this, if God be for you, who can be against you? Amen. So we're going to look at this tonight. And Joshua and the Israelites are going to fight the relentless enemies, the Amalekites. They were the sister nation of the Mosquito Bites from Oklahoma. And so the picture here goes like this. Moses is up on top of the mountain, he and Aaron and her, and Joshua was down in the valley in this significant conflict. And we see here the name Jehovah Nisi, or the Lord is our banner. So the imagery here is that of a flag, you would say. When you see the American flag, okay, the American flag means what? What's it mean? Freedom, what else does it mean? This isn't a trick question, folks. There's not one answer. Uh, what's, when you see the American flag, what's it mean? Freedom, what else does it mean? U.S. of A, there you go. Huh? Equality, okay. What else does it mean? Barbecue? Okay, yeah, barbecue. Anybody here by chance, you were in the military and uh, you fought in a battle by chance? Just anybody here fight, fight a battle? Okay, when you saw that flag, when you're in the battle, did that reflect kind of a safe place for you? Did you look at that and go, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm in a good spot to be? Okay, when I go international, which is not a lot, I always try to find the American embassy. Now I always enjoy coming back through Atlanta into the U.S. of A. I love coming back through to my country. How many glad to come back to America some days, okay? It's a good place to be. So the flag means lots of stuff. My whole point tonight in this little, little uh, conversation here was to show you that a banner is not just one thing, but rather it's everything. Okay, and so when we think about Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner, or God, my banner, the one that fights with me and for me, don't just think of one thing. Think of the fact that God, he isn't just one thing. Everybody say, God. Come on, say, God. He isn't just one thing. Say, he's everything. Now, the title here, the Lord is my banner, indicated that the Israelites belong to God, and watch this close, and that those who oppose them we're also opposing God and his power. Now, let's go back to this. As an American, and I'm not a soldier, but if I were an American soldier and I was on assignment from my country to go out in a force of might and strength against somebody else, a foreign enemy, 
When I carry that flag, what I'm saying is, is if you're against me, you're against everything behind that flag. And the power behind that flag is going against you, and I'm just the conductor of it. Now get a picture of this. If God is for you, that means that God is fighting with you. God is on your side. And enemies who oppose you, as you've been sent out by God in this life, when they oppose you, they're opposing God. So our number one enemy is who? The devil. Everybody say the devil. So he's not just fighting against you. He's fighting against God. So you have to notice in your heart, no matter what you face in life, if God's for you, who can be against you? And anybody who fights against you in the name of God, when, they, when you're out in his purpose, in his name, when they rise up, they're rising up against him. Now, Moses in this story, he's up on the hillside. I'm gonna kind of give you the overview real fast. He's up on the hillside, and, 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 and he gets a word from God to put his hands up high. And when the hands are up, they won the battle. Put your hand up, come on, put your hands up high real fast. Come on, here we go. Everybody across the house. See, you guys can raise your hands there and worship. How cool is that? See, I thought y'all had broken arms. <laughs> okay, now watch this. Watch this real fast. When my hands are up, where is my strength coming from? Put your hand down. All right. If I'm a boxer, all right, and I'm going to hit with this hand, this hand is what hits, but the strength comes from here, right? Comes from the body, Okay. So, if my hands are up, come on, put your hands up, get your hands up, get your hands up, all over the town, everybody, everybody, get your hands in the air. Anyway, uh, if my hands are up, where's my strength coming from? God, because right here, I'm vulnerable, right? This is a terrible, a boxer never walks out like this. <laughs> Can you imagine watching a boxing match and they come out and, you know, they come out, put your hands on, you guys are good. Uh, <laughs> sorry. You know, a boxer comes out for the fight and the one boxer comes out and they always knock gloves first. And some watch them knocking, knocking gloves and the one boxer steps back and the other guy goes, this is totally vulnerable. You don't fight like this, do you? This is a sign of I have nothing, I have nothing in my hands, my hands are open, I have nothing to fight with, I'm totally, totally uh, releasing all power. So when I raise my hands, watch this close, I'm saying my strength and my power come from God because as Moses lifted his hands up, they begin to win the fights. So watch this in life. Spend more time with your hands up to heaven and less time with your hands out to here. That's some good stuff right there. That's some good stuff. No, you missed it. You missed it. Let's try it again. Spend more time with your hands up to heaven and less time with your hands out here. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Spend your time like this because what you're saying is my strength, my help comes from there, not from here. Not by my might, but by his might. Amen. Now, when you look at the story in Exodus 17, we see this going on because there's so much here. And, and just go real fast to verse 10. And we'll read a few verses tonight and get right into this topic. This is a great, great sermon. And for all those who miss it, God have mercy on them. Amen. This is going to be some good stuff. Now, anytime God lets us experience him, he's doing it for a purpose. God wants to reveal himself to you. The, the most amazing thing to me about God is that he is not trying to hide from us. 
The last book of the Bible is the book of what? Revelation. A revelation of who? Jesus. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. So this entire book is a journey cover to cover of God saying, this is me. Take a look. See it. Live it. Love it. Experience it. So anytime we get to experience God in any of these arenas of our life, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah uh, Sitkanu, Jehovah, you name it, whatever it might be, he's doing that for, so we can walk away going, I know, I, I know God. And the great thing for us is, folks, we serve a God that we can actually know. Christianity does not hinge on the strength of religion. It hinges on the strength of a person, Jesus Christ, who we can know through the word of God. It's a powerful transformation. Exodus 17, verse 10, here we go. So Joshua did as Moses said to him to do, and he fought with Amalek. And, Aaron, and Moses and Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hands, Israel prevailed. Everybody put your hand high and say, when I hold my hands, come on, say, when I hold my hands, I will prevail. There we go. Put them down real fast. And when he let down his hands, Amalek prevailed. Now, get, now just got to see the story. It's important here. But Moses' hands became what? Heavy. Heavy. Must have big hands. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat down on it. And Aaron and her, this is the first guy to ever preach sitting down, by the way. In the scripture, we can find her. He just preached sitting down. That's a joke. Sat on the stone, and Aaron and her supported his hands. Notice this. One on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Verse 15, final verse, and Moses built an altar there. We see once again an altar built. I challenge you tonight, make sure you have the altars in your life in the right spot. Make sure you have the right altars going on, not the wrong altars. And he built an altar and called his name the Lord is my banner, or Yahweh Nisi, or Jehovah Nisi. Now, we look at this story, there's a couple of thoughts in this. First of all, we look at the story of Aaron and her coming alongside of Moses. And we see a key insight into this early part of the story. Here it is, simply this. Moses is tired. He can't keep carrying everything. He can't hold his hands up the whole time. This gets tiring after a while. So they sit him on a rock, and they put a guy on each side, and they hold his hands up, and watch this close. They hold his arms up, and he's steady with holding his arms up. The insight for us here is simply this. It's better for someone to hold your arm up than it is to hold your hand. We'll say it again. It's better for someone to hold your arm up than for someone to hold your hand. We got too many hand holders nowadays. We need some arm holders. I, I encourage you, if you're a parent, be an arm holder, not a hand holder. Okay? 
If, if you're helping someone with your life, be an arm holder, not a hand holder. Hand holders, listen, they get drugged down with the person too. Be an arm holder, not a hand holder. Everybody say, be an arm holder, not a hand holder. Now, we also see in the story here Israel's major military victory. Almost switched those words around, kind of a strange thing there. And we see this because Amalek was a unique people. And, and this is another insight for us. Amalek had nothing to defend. They had nothing to lose. When you have nothing to defend, you have nothing to what? Lose. And they got around people out in the desert lands. They were off of the, uh, the, the line of Esau. And, 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 and they just had nothing. So they just wanted to harass everybody. Now watch this the story. The people that had nothing, listen to me close, the people that had nothing to lose were trying to defeat those who had everything to gain. you got to make certain in your life relationships that people with nothing to lose can't take away from someone who has everything to gain. And one of the big, big mistakes you make and who you partner with in life or friendships or dating or spouse or whatever it may be, your partnerships in business or life, one of the biggest mistakes you can make is when you partner with somebody who has nothing to lose and you have everything to gain. And so Amalek is a picture here of people that just wanted to harass and delay and destroy God's purposes. Watch this. If we're not careful in life, we will allow people whose only purpose is to disrupt and destroy to take us off the course that God has for us. And there are people in this life that all they want to do is disrupt. Everybody say disrupt and destroy. Everybody say destroy. You know why? Because they got nothing else to do. Nothing to live for, nothing to work for. All they're going to do is just, everybody say disrupt, and everybody say destroy. They got no purpose, no land to defend. I mean, why did Amalek even care? Israel wasn't taken that was theirs. They weren't taking their property. All they had to do is say, okay, y'all want to go through? Well, have, have a great trip. See you. But they just wanted to harass them. And that's what a lot of things in life come out to. Make sure, make sure your alliances and make sure your connections in life are tied to people who have the same things to win that you do and get away from those who have nothing else to win in life. A lot of your gossipers, a lot of your conversational food chains going on out there. I am more amazed every day how fast the word flies. I'm just, I'm telling you, I, I can't believe how quick stuff can fly around town. And I can't believe that people aren't able to filter someone who's just a flat-out liar. I've heard some amazing stuff this week. Just I wanted to go, you got to be kidding me. And oh, by the way, our news cycle, our news media, if you think being accurate is a priority for them, you are way off track. Their goal is to be first, not to be accurate. If they get the word out first, they don't care if it's true or not or if it's almost true. Listen, nowadays, almost true is the truth for our society, but that's not how we live our life. So make sure in life you don't let people with nothing to lose take you off the track when you've got everything to gain. God has a purpose. God has a place. God has a plan. Stick to what God has for you and let nobody else take you off of his purposes. Amen? So let's look at this story again. They're about to defeat them, take them out. And God sets the tone for this fight for all of us. And here's the tone. The battle tone here is simply this. For God 
to be on our side, we have to fight God's way. Listen close. And when we align with God, he will always fight on our behalf. But we can't do it this way. There was a connection to Moses' hands going up high and them winning the battle. When you fight, listen close, when you fight God's way, it will be a different way than you would have fought it yourself. And it will look different than you would have thought it would look. It'll sound different, act different. Because sometimes you fight a battle God's way by not fighting at all. A soft answer turns away what? You know what that does? That fights a battle God's way. Because in my own mind, I was in a situation a few weeks ago with somebody, I'm telling you what, they were ticking me off. I don't know if you ever get ticked off, but I was getting ticked off at a fella. I thought to myself, if I could, I'd punch you right in the head right now. But I thought that wouldn't look very good in the paper. Local church pastor incarcerated for assaulting a customer service agent in a local place of business. That'd be a bad thing on my, but I'm, I, I'm process. I'm thinking. So in my own strength and in my own mind, I want to take the guy out. I know you guys are thinking, I can't, he must have anger issues. No, I'm, I'm human just like you. And you tick me off enough. I'll, I, might, I have these thoughts go through my head. I just didn't do it. Now, now let, don't look at me so self-righteous. You've had the same thought before. I'm just telling you. You all sit back there like, yeah, he needs to get saved, doesn't he? You, you, you understand this. This is you, not just me. Y'all going to leave me hanging out here, ain't you? You're going to leave me hanging. All right. I, I, that's all right. God judges your hearts. So um, get this picture, though. If we're going to fight a battle with God, let me reword that. When he's fighting, he doesn't need your help. He just needs you to get out of the way and let him do it. Amen? Now, here's a thought for you in this story. Destiny is often on the other side of our difficulties. A lot of folks want the promised land or the destiny, but they don't want to journey through difficulty. One of the worst mistakes that we make as humans it's when things get difficult. When things get difficult, we go the wrong direction. I was talking to a friend of mine today, one of my mentors, about a conflict we were both processing and dealing with. And I said, you know, I said relationships have struggles. If you, ha if you have a relationship, you're going to have a struggle somewhere in the journey. You, you can't be married without struggle. You can't have a friendship without struggle. You can't have someone who's a neighbor without a struggle. Life is full of overcoming struggles. And for some of us, the way we approach struggle and conflict, we just want to get away from it. Just got to back out. Just got to go. Don't want to talk about it. Don't want to deal with it. Just leave me alone. And we walk the other direction. And what happens in that situation is nobody gets better or grows from it. So if we're going to look for our destiny, remember this, destiny is often on the other side of our difficulties. But if when things get difficult, you jump out of the ship and go the other direction, you'll never find what God has for you. Everybody say destiny. Come on, say destiny. is on the other side of my difficulties. Now, when God is fighting on your behalf, there will always be something unique or even counter to our nature involved that enables 
the victory. Here's why. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, 11, and 12. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But, everybody say but. but. Shouldn't say but in church. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, they don't make a bullet that can shoot a principality. So we can't fight through our terms or our means. So that's why you got to trust the fact that God will fight with you, God will fight for you, and you got to get out of the way and let him do the fighting for you because that's the best way for you to win this life. Now, I want to look at two battles real fast that Israel faced. We'll look at the battle of Jericho and the battle of Ai. It's two stories of Scripture to focus on tonight. And I want to say before I get there that one of these was a slam dunk that they totally messed up on. The other was a mighty fortress that God totally blew over. And they won that battle in the most unique and almost crazy way you would ever think you could win a battle. But the one that they could have won hands down, they nearly blew because they didn't do it God's way. And so sometimes in life, we make the easy things hard when we don't do them God's way. And if we're going to experience Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner, we will have to experience it his way and not our way. I don't put God on terms. He puts me on terms. You ever called the bank to borrow money? Put your hand up high. And you say, what's the terms? Imagine calling the banker tomorrow and say, hey, I need uh, 20000 bucks, and here's the terms. I'll pay this much interest, I'll pay this payment per month, and I want it don't work that way, does it? You call the bank, watch this, they give you the terms. When we experience God, we don't set the terms, he sets the terms. You know why? Because he's the one that has all the power. And if you've ever faced a place in life where you couldn't win, ever faced a moment in life where you thought you were going to lose everything in a situation or, or maybe it was all going to be over with, listen to me. That's because you were up against a principality and a power that only God could come out victorious on anyway. And so you've got to trust God because there are certain battles you can't fight. Why try to fight a battle you can't win when you have a God who can win it for you if you do it his way? Now, let's look at this real fast, just to kind of overview real fast. Jericho is a fortified city. It's not coming down for nothing. Ai is a small little place that literally 3,000 of them could have defeated them in a heartbeat. It'd be like invading, Fort, invading Greenwood. I mean, it's just a small little territory. But they nearly lost it because they didn't do it God's way. These stories are wrapped up in Joshua 6 and 7. I'll give them to you just for overview real fast, just, for, just, give, you the, just give you the gist of so we can get the sermon points. So think of it this way. Joshua 6 is the story of Jericho. And Jericho is this amazing fortified city. And it's not coming down for nothing. And this is the whole chapter, Joshua chapter 6. So God gets this random idea because he's God, he can do that. You don't have to, I mean, it's just what he wants to do. He does what he wants to do. And so God says, I want you to walk around a place. I want you to carry this stuff with you. I want you to blow trumpets. The most crazy idea ever. 
You don't just blow a trumpet and a wall fall down, much less a fortified city. In my lifetime, years ago, when we were in England, I saw, uh, I saw Windsor Castle in England years and years ago. Anybody here by chance ever seen a castle? Put your hand up high, seen a castle? Listen, folks, that's not a brick house. It's very different from a brick house. It is a fortified city. And, and the walls run high and they run thick and you're just not going to blow them over. And so God says to, to, to Israel, you guys get in this circle, walk around, do this thing, take the Ark of the Covenant with you, take your, take your trumpets, and then I want you to blow the trumpets and the walls are going to come down. If you're me, that's crazy. Because I'm thinking, let's find a door, let's find a crack, let's get in the city, let's break in somehow here or there. We've got to get inside because we can't pull the wall over. We've got to break in. Listen, you don't have to break in when God wants to blow it up. So we look at the story here of Jericho, and we know what happened here. Then we get to the next story in just a second. And the very opposite thing happened because they didn't do it God's way. And tonight, I want you to leave here with a conviction in your heart that you must do things God's way because when you don't do things God's way, you will lose the fight in the end, no matter what it is. And little fights can become big fights when you do them in your might and not in his. And big fights become little conflicts when you do it in God's strength and not your own. So let's go on down to a couple thoughts real fast. First of all, obedience makes the hard things simple. When we choose to obey, it makes the hard things simple. Everybody say obedience. Come on, say obedience. Makes the hard things simple. God gave Israel this most unconventional instruction ever. Not to scale the wall, not to break down the door, but to blow trumpets and stand and watch. That's all I got. That's all I can do right there. That's pretty good. Close. You guys get that, don't you? I'm pretty close. It's, it's the air trumpet. Come on, everybody got air trumpet? Who's got an air trumpet? Come on. Who's got your air trumpet out? Okay. And then just stand back and go and watch a fortified city come crumbling down. And you know what happened? It happened. It did. Now, I, I want you to see how quick we forget stuff. Because within the shadow of that victory... After God's, I don't know about you, but I would have thought to myself, if I just watched that happen, hey, I'm believing this guy. Amen. Whatever he says, we're doing. If he says, take off walking through the air, we're going. Because I just watched trumpets blow down a building in a fortified city. So anything you else have to say, come on now. You, I mean, I'm, I'm with you because I just watched the most amazing thing ever. But do you know, just like you and I often do, within the shadow of seeing God's power work right in front of their eyes, they get to the very next fight and think, <laughs> I'll do it my way. If you ever wonder how powerful our sin flesh nature is, look at stories like this where we can see the hand of God in an amazing way work on Friday, and by Saturday, forgot all that God just did. Because my nature and your nature, the flesh nature, always thinks we can do it our way as good as God can do it his way, because in the, in the reality, we think sometimes we are kind of like God. And that's the story of 
Genesis chapter 3. They wanted to be like God. And that's how we got here. Obedience makes the hard things simple. I got to tell you, I like simple. And I do like, I enjoy easy stuff. I, don't, I, I, I enjoy easy stuff. Easy is good, simple is good. Obedience makes the hard things simple. Now, AI, 30,000 foot view of AI. A smaller battle. Slam dunk victory. Like, like invading Greenwood. Or less. I mean, it was, it was a done deal. And they get down there. And guess what happened? Disobedience makes simple things hard. Disobedience makes simple things hard. Let me give you a simple example. I'll give you, again, I've, 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 t- I've told folks all the time this. I've learned more about God in my life in a practical application by trying to raise two boys than anything else that I've ever done in my life. Because I see the constant challenges of father-child relationships. I see the unending love I have for them. The desire to kill them sometimes. But I just won't ever do it because I love them. The reality that I can't make decisions for them, that is so paralyzing. It's paralyzing as a parent. Because you want to tell them what to do and why to do and then make sure they did it and you realize you can't do it. And so I've, I've been in this dynamic where I've been watching my kids grow up and watching life change and realizing, well, that's me and God. Because God loves me unending. And I can promise you there's been times that I'm glad he held his wrath back from me. And then I think God looks down from heaven sometimes and goes, don't do that. That's a stupid idea. Don't do that. No, over here, not over there. Oh, he did it anyway. I'm teaching my youngest son how to drive right now. Y'all pray for me. I, I told my son the other day, I said, I feel sorry for you. I said, when I taught your brother how to drive, I had a lot less stress in my life than I do right now. So I, I apologize. I'm just, I'm a little, I'm a donkey on the edge. I'm just saying right now, I'm just, you know, we're, we're all surviving through this. Something so easy became so difficult because they wouldn't do what God said to do. So what do they do? Well, they took what God said was his. We'll hit this later on in a second. Watch me on this real fast. When God says, that's mine, that's what God means. And there's not a negotiation about it, no matter what that is. I could give you three or four things real fast I would tell you don't ever mess with. One of them is marriage. God said, that's my covenant relationship. And the biggest fear I have for those who are taking an anti, uh, are, are, are taking a, uh, the new marital uh, definition is they're messing with God. God's the one that said, a man marries a woman. Nobody asked me, nobody asked you. Doesn't matter, God made that decision. Live with it. That was God's doing, it's not mine. That's a covenant. God said, don't mess with it. Another area that's God's is his church. I would tell anybody here, don't ever, ever be caught speaking against the church of God. Not the denomination. I'm talking categorically the the body of Christ. Any church. I was talking to a pastor uh, just this morning on the phone, a pastor just across the street from us, just a few blocks down. They've launched a brand new church recently. I said, hey, I think it's great that you're here. 
I said, we got more folks going to hell than necessary, and I'm glad you're going to help folks go to heaven. That's what we're here. I said, in fact, I, I thank God for any church in our city that glorifies the name of Jesus Christ. Any church. Come on, we just thank God for all of them. There's a lot of good churches in this town. And, and I'm glad that you're here, and I realize that you may not always be here. I love you just the same. Because it's about the kingdom, not about a kingdom. I just want you to go to heaven. If you get to heaven, I'm happy. That's all I care about. If you just get to heaven, I'll be happy. Now, I'd love to have you all for, for the rest of life. Yes, I love all of you. I want you to be here. But I realize that, that, that I don't own you and you don't own. I mean, this is his church. This ain't mine. This is God's. So I, I would tell you that, that, that marriage is sacred. Don't ever touch marriage. I would tell you the church is sacred. And I would tell you that money is sacred. Now, how many of you agree that we have a significant debt problem in our nation right now? Put your hand up high, okay? Do you realize that that debt issue is out of a mindset that doesn't recognize the sacred nature of money? That's, that's a violation of a sacred nature that God gave us. And, and uniquely enough, America is probably, and I don't know, I'm, I'm assuming this is, a, I'm going to assume for just a second, from what I remember, America is the lowest giving nation per capita or per available funds of any nation on, this, on, the, on the planet. We're terrible givers. We're, I mean, we as a people are terrible at putting God first in our money. And I just say, I say we as a people, I'm not saying you, I'm not, I'm not hey, you and you and you. I don't know what you do. I'm talking as a categorical perspective. And so I think about this and what AI did or what, what Israel did to AI. They took what was God's, and a guy named Achan, you guys heard of a guy named Achan before? Don't ever name your sons Achan, that's a bad idea. <laughs> Achan took what God said was his, and he dug it in the ground and he hid it. They began to lose the battle. When we don't fight God's way, God won't fight for us. Because we don't set God's terms. I can't tell God, I want this, this, and this. I can't tell God do this, this, and that. You say, Marty, <laughs> uh, I prayed God didn't answer. Well, last time I text, the same thing happened for Jesus Christ in the garden. He didn't get the answer he wanted, did he? So do you think you rank above Jesus? No. I prayed to ask God to do this, didn't come through. What are you going to do? I mean, he's like God, right? You, 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 I mean, you, you're going to get in line or not. So watch this because you get, this story, it's amazing. When they did things God's way, and what amazes me is they lost a battle. Excuse me. They won a battle where they had no military might in their hand. They had a trumpet, and they won the battle. The next battle that they could have won hands down and they had might in their hands, they were losing because they didn't do it God's way. I thought about this just in this thought process because it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says Lord of hosts. We don't win by might. We win by worshiping, by honoring God and glorifying God. That's how you win the battles of life. So they get over into AI, and they're losing the battle, and Joshua's like, what's going on, guys? This ain't working. I'm going to give you the paraphrase for time's sake, by the way. And uh, they have a discussion. Hey, there's something evil going on in the camp. And they learn that, that this guy, Achan, has taken the sacred things. 
And because he had taken sacred stuff, you say, Marty, what was sacred? The spoils from Jericho. When they won in Jericho, God said, the first of that comes to me. That's my stuff, not your stuff. And they took the spoils from the previous battle. See, when you win a battle, the glory doesn't go back to you. The glory goes back to God. So the victory isn't yours. If the battle is his, the victory is his too. We see that in this story. So let's bump on down for time's sake real fast. God wants you to win. God wants you to win life. God cares about you. But listen, obedience makes the hard things simple, and disobedience makes the simple things hard. And you can face a shoe in victory and lose it every time if you don't do it God's way. So how do we win? How do we win battles in life? Because we're going to have conflicts. Remember, <laughs> our destiny is oftentimes on the other side of a conflict. You may have been fighting through life, fighting to live, fighting to survive. Keep on fighting. As long as you're breathing, keep on struggling forward. Don't ever stop. You'll get there at some point. And we saw early in the story about Aaron and her holding up Moses' hands. It's always good to have folks who struggle with you, not against you. And when you're fighting through life, make sure you have the right folks that can hold your hands up high when life and the battle gets difficult. The first thought on how we win God's way is this. We win God's way by practicing obedience in our life. Obedience, Marty, where? Everywhere. And here's why. Obedience equals faith. Everybody say obedience. Come on, say obedience equals faith. They go together. Where I have faith, I believe. Our series this, this month at Harvest Time Church has been on the idea of once I know who God is and God reveals himself to me, I then have to make a response to God. I can't know he's Jehovah Shalom and not respond to God in that accordance. Once he reveals who he is, now my response is there and my response triggers the revelation. So I know that once God reveals himself to me, I have to make a decision. Am I going to trust him? Am I going to believe him? Am I going to live by the plan he has for me? Or will I say, okay, that's great over here, but I'll still do life my way. The scripture tells us in James 2.17, it says that by faith, if it doesn't have works, it's dead. Faith absent works is what? Dead. So faith and obedience all go together. Obedience reveals our level of faith, and you cannot have faith in an area that you don't have obedience. You can't, you can't have, they, 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 they go together. It's like peanut butter and jelly. They just go, they just naturally fit together. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? I'm hungry right now. Anybody else hungry? <laughs> Thinking about that. Hebrews says to us, Hebrews 11 and 6, without faith it's impossible to please God. You want to please God? Have faith. How do you have faith? You live obediently. It all goes together. Because some people put Christianity as such as, realm of unknown that wow, wow, I don't know how to how do I please God be obedient when I tell my son unload the dishwasher and he unloads the dishwasher I'm happy because he was obedient to my instruction I don't have to follow up argue debate have a discussion define what the dishwasher looks like define what unload means go back through the whole process. This goes there and that goes here. We've covered this 3,000 times. I just simply say, unload it, and he does it, and I'm a happy camper. Can I get an amen? amen? So when we please God the most is when we obey God the most. 
Not my works, but my, my faith. Number two, quickly, silence. You win the battle God's way by being silent. Here's why. In verse 10 of our story, he said, he said don't let your voice be heard. Here's why. Most of us sin the most with our mouth. I won't ask you for a show of hands, but I can promise you, the scripture says, in the multitude of words, sin is not what? Lacking. Most of our sin comes from here. Let me give you one sin. Unbelief is a sin. You say, Marty, I thought sin was like lying and lusting. Well, yeah, that is too. By definition, think of a bullseye. Big bullseye. Wait. You never want a bullseye on your chest. Put the bullseye over here. Think of a bullseye, target range. The middle is God's plan. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, fruit of the Spirit, all those things. Abundant life, all that stuff right here in the center. That's what you want to hit. Anything outside that center is not God's plan. And when you miss the mark, that's called a sin. In biblical terms, sinning means missing the mark. God doesn't want you to have unbelief. God doesn't have a lack of faith. Therefore, when we have a lack of faith and we speak unbelief, that's not what God wants us to do. So that's called a sin. Here's the good news. God forgives all sin. Amen. How many think God forgives all sin? Come on, put your hand high and say, I thank God that he forgives my sins. I know you're going, Marty, I don't sin anymore. Well, let's put one more. I'm a liar. Anyway, um, (laughs) how many think God, he forgives your sins all the way through eternity and into heaven? So you're covered by God's grace and mercy. I talked to a guy today who just got saved a few weeks ago, and he said, what do I do now? I said, well, I still want to journey together. And I said, you're going to mess up, but get up. When you mess up, get up. Look at your neighbor and say, when you mess up, come on, just say, just say when you mess up. Say, get up. Don't lay there. Don't lay there and go, oh, I said, no. Don't quit. Just get up. Get moving. Obedience and then two, silence. Because our tongues get us into trouble. Our tongues cause us. When he had him walk around Jericho, he said, shh. Can you imagine keeping thousands of people quiet? This is before the days of Twitter. I'm just promising you right now. This is before the days of social media. Because they'd, they'd been walking like this. The whole time around, around Jericho. He said, keep it quiet. And when I tell you to speak, when I tell you to blow the trumpet, you blow the trumpet. See, when we speak on God's timing, it always comes out a whole lot better than when we speak on our timing. My biggest mistakes in life have come, not from being silent, but from talking way too much. Can I get an amen? My errors in conflict resolution have come by talking too much. I've been talking to folks before. Man, I just kept digging deeper and deeper. Trying to get out. <laughs> I was talking to a guy one time, and I was getting in a hole. I, was just, I just kept digging in. I, mean, I was like drilling down. I, we, I was the core of the earth. I was so low. And he was a friend of mine, and he knew I was stuck. So he said, you know, he said, you know the first law of holes, don't you? I said, the first law of what? He said, the first law of holes, digging holes. I said, what? He goes, stop digging. Just, just back up. We're done. This, is, this ain't going nowhere. We're done. I, I've done went too far. It's over. Silence matters. Here's why. Here's why. When you are silent, what you're saying is, it's not my mind or my wisdom that will fix this.
but it's God's. And he can speak through you. Number three, quickly. Endurance. Don't give up in the fight. If you're in a fight, in a struggle for living, a struggle for life, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't stop. I used to, I had to tell my son, we, we were lifting weights together a lot, and my son's a pretty strong cat for his age. And so he, he would, we would be trying to get stronger in the weights by adding more weight. So he'd come down and he would just, you know, I'd be spotting him and he'd drop the bar down and he just couldn't get us. So he'd just drop it down there. And I'm like, you can't, you can't just not push. You got to push back. Because I can't reach over and pick up 300 pounds like this. So you got to push with me. I can pull it, but you got to push it, okay? A lot of folks, when the fight gets heavy, they just let it lay there and stop. And they give up. I'm telling you tonight, keep on. Keep on. Keep on. Keep on. Look at your neighbor and say, keep on. Come on, say, keep on. Come on, come on, say, keep on. Here's why. Don't be weary in well-doing. For in due season, you're going to reap if you don't lose heart. That's the NLT version. I love that. If you don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Are you losing heart tonight in a situation? Keep on. Not going your way? Keep on. But make sure you're obedient and make sure you're quiet. And number four, quickly, I'm almost done. Make sure you don't touch and mess with God's sacred things. One of the things that transformed my view on marriage personally and I'm going to go back to these sacred things. A lot of our fights and conflicts in life happens in, happen in smaller circles. Relationships, marriage is one key one. Church. You guys know churches have fights, don't you? That's a shocker to you. Happens all the time. One of the things that changed my view on my own personal marriage is this. Years ago, I was transformed in my perception by realizing that if I say marriage is sacred, which it is sacred, if I say that, that means this marriage is sacred. That's not just true for yours, that's true for mine. And so therefore I treat this relationship with a little bit different dynamic. This is a sacred union. And therefore, I operate my whole perspective on this union as if it was uh, unto God. And it hit me years ago that my wife is not just my wife, but she's a daughter of the king. She's a child of God. And so I have all these perspectives on sacredness and how to treat sacred things and, and, and then I begin to realize, well, that goes for me too. The church is sacred. The idea of a church fight is almost an oxymoron. But because you got morons in church, they have fights in church, I guess. But we're going to have conflicts, but fights is a whole different conversation. We're going to have discussions. My wife and I, we, we have discussions to this day, but we just haven't had a fight, and I can't tell you the day when. Because both of us have the perception that this is sacred. And you don't mess with sacred things 
with dirty hands. You watch the game on Sunday, that horrific event, and Yeah, I'm still recovering. <laughs> but the people that were holding the trophy that brought it out, they wore gloves, right? And then you watch them polish it off. And I mean, it's a beautiful picture. See, when you got something sacred, you handle it with caution. So when you're talking about your marriage, put some gloves on. That's tender. That's holy. That's beautiful. When you talk about the church of Jesus Christ, other believers in Christ, man, they're sacred because they're God's children. And they're part of the family. And so I'm not going to gossip about you, lie about you. We can discuss other churches. You know, we need other churches. Amen. I went to a funeral today and they had a pastor do the service. He did a great job. It was different than I would have done, but that's okay. I'm not the template for doing funerals. I'm not the measuring stick of good and bad. We're all uniquely, divinely purposed by God in this community. And, and I'm thinking to myself, I wouldn't have done that, but that's not my deal. I thank God he's there because he was tired of this family, because of this pastor, this guy's in heaven right now. And that makes that service a sacred thing, and that pastor a sacred part of the family of God. So don't mess with sacred stuff. Your finances, put God first. I preach this, talk about this, not for me. If you think it's for me, make your check out to Kavanaugh Baptist. I'll take it over to him. I'd rather you tithe to a different church and be blessed than to hold back from here and not be blessed by God. And I, I said that a few. I said that last year we had two checks for Kavanaugh come in. I thought, how cool is that? And I and I walked him over to Pastor Wells and said, Hey, here you go. Here's what I said. We had two checks come in. I gave them to him. I said, God bless you, man. So time and again, he'll text me, hey, say, any more checks come in for Kavanaugh? <laughs> How many of you guys in the house know Will Harmon? Come on, you know Will, Pastor Will Harmon? He's a great pastor, great friend, just across the creek from us, great church, Kavanaugh Baptist. So if you need a win in life, be obedient, be quiet, don't give up, and make sure you t treat the sacred things sacred. And remember this, if God be for you, who could be against you? Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. It's always encouraging to know how God is touching lives through this ministry. So if you have a story of how God is working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at share at harvesttime.net.